This is the Out of Character Podcast. Introducing your host, Brian Colbert. Welcome, world, welcome to another episode of the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening, and we appreciate you for listening. This is episode 12, people, 12 episodes, people, and we're going to keep going. And we got a great show for y'all. We got a lot to get into, man. There's so many different things I want to talk to you guys about. But there's one thing, one thing I had to do, bro. I had to start off the show with it. And that is shout out black people, baby, because it is Black History Month. Yes, it is Black History Month. We are black all year, 24-7. But this month, we're going to be blackity black people. We are going to be blackity black because we have been through so much these past four years. Man, we've been through so much since America started. But these past four years in general, things have just been highlighted. That has left a nasty taste in my mouth. And I'm certain it's left a nasty taste in y'all mouth, people. So on this episode, we getting black as hell with y'all. For the rest of the month, we getting black as hell. Matter of fact, for the rest of the year, we are going to be blackity black. And we are going to shove it in y'all faces how much we love being black and brown kings and queens, people. So I'm so glad to start this episode with y'all. This is episode 12, people. We got a lot for y'all. But first, the very first thing we got to get into, people stock market now i know you're listening like oh bc what do you know about the stock market you're into stocks not really not really i'm not really too big into stocks but i'm learning people i'm trying to diversify my portfolio yeah i said it diversifying my portfolio that's how the rich white say it right and people that's what i'm trying to do so ever since the pandemic i have been putting money like a little bit of money into different stocks because a lot of stocks had dropped for instance amc the movie theater stock of course it dropped it plummeted because nobody's going to movie theaters the pandemic caused a lot of these companies stock numbers to drop drastically so in my head i said yo what a better time to get in the stock market than right now because i can get in without a lot of money now normally that's the whole reason why i wasn't really into stocks because i didn't feel like i had a ton of extra money to just gamble with and throw away it always felt like a gamble to me because i didn't know much about the stock market but i've had so much time on my hands i've been sitting around so much during this pandemic working from home trying to find ways to stay busy that the stock market was something i decided to kind of learn about and kind of study about so as i was learning as i was studying i decided yo let me get a couple amc stocks because the stock was just low just so so low and in my head this was back when the pandemic had started like back in like april you know that time frame june and so in my head, I'm like, oh, this can't last for more than a couple months. This pandemic can't last for more than a couple months. So let me get it on AMC now, because in a couple months, people are going to be back in the movie theaters. Everybody's going to be just rushing to theaters because they can't wait to go on those dates. They can't wait to see movies. And people are going to have so many different movies coming out. All these movie theaters are going to have big, big movies coming out. That's what my head was saying, right? And a year later nothing changed nothing changed at all and amc just kept dropping and dropping and i'm like dang man i put a little bit of money into it i ain't put a lot of money into it but i put a little bit of money into it and i was just like dang man i thought things were going to turn around amc was talking about filing bankruptcy they were talking about shutting movie theaters down just in general because they just didn't know when this pandemic was going to end but then something happened people something happened the internet did what the internet does and the internet decided to join together to change the game, to make an impact. So what ended up happening was there's this thing called Reddit, right? It's 
like a like a big chat forum for people they talk about all kind of things and there's like a reddit rabbit hole that is all about stocks there's these threads there's these chains and it's all these different people just talking about different stocks that they're into and trying to strategize essentially for what stocks they can buy because the thing about stocks at least from what i've come to realize is that the more people that buy something like anything the more people that buy something the value goes up so the more people that buy into a certain stock they're allowing that value of that stock to rise so what people have been doing on reddit is getting together and saying you know what we are going to buy out this particular stock in hopes that it jacks up the whole market and it worked people they did it with amc they did it with gamestop i woke up and had an extra 600 dollars because of amc like i said i didn't put in a lot of money so imagine somebody that had thousands invested into amc they came up people in the stock markets were going crazy and i believe gamestop was the same exact way anybody that had stock in gamestop made a ton of money that day so then what happened people what happened when the little man found a loophole and a way to make money in the big man's game and we talk about the big man we're talking about you know those one percenters those people with the big money those people that really essentially run the stock market and just just play with millions and millions of dollars well the regular person the little guy they found a way to get on top of the big guy they found a way to bend the big guy over a barrel and make a ton of money but what happens when you do that people what happens when you start taking money out of these rich elitist pocket they find a way to get back at you people and that's what happened i am not smart enough to really understand how they did it but they found a way for all that money that people made if they didn't sell those stocks they found a way to stop people from making that money they made it so people couldn't buy more stocks they made it so people couldn't sell stocks they basically froze the market on certain stocks so that whatever was happening the link the things that the little people were doing that was the only way to stop it people and we have never seen anything like this before on both ends we had never seen regular everyday joes affect the stock market at such a rate and we also have never seen the stock market shut down because they had never seen anything like this and to me it raised a ton of red flags to me it raised a ton of questions as somebody that's really just trying to get into this financial literacy game as somebody that's really still trying to understand stocks it, it blew me away because then you know what I'm saying when I see things like this people when I see things that just don't make sense to me it makes me not trust things we spoke about how I don't trust certain doctors right we had that conversation because I have been wrong before if you wrong me once if you wrong me twice more than likely I'm not coming back to you for a third time and I felt as if I was wronged when this all came down because like i said people i have amc stock and i should have been smart and just sold it all the minute i saw it go up i didn't really know what was going on so i said you know what guys i'm gonna hold i'm gonna wait because maybe this extra six hundred dollars can turn to a couple thousand dollars so i waited but the next day after they had done all these things with the stock market i was back down to nothing they literally took away everything i had like an extra sixty dollars if anything so people i was very upset i felt like i was bamboozled i felt like i was wrong and so what i decided to do was reach out to my financial advisor but before i did it i said you know what let me bring my financial advisor on the show and let me actually ask him some questions now all y'all know that listen that follow the out of character podcast know that my financial advisor is y'all financial advisor and that is my guy professor mike bev balling on a budget with bev you might be familiar with the segment well people to start the out of character podcast to start episode 12 we are going to bring mike bev on and actually have like a q a with him usually i let him do a little lecture but i have questions for the brother now 
by no means does he have anything to do with what happened in the stock market but as a guy that has dedicated himself to the financial literacy game that has dedicated himself to knowing finance and knowing the stock market i feel that it would be great for him to jump on right now with us talk to us and let me ask him some questions because i'm sure you guys have a lot of questions too i'm sure the people that didn't know what i just talked about and heard hearing about it feel like i just made it up but i promise you people i didn't make it up but what i promise to do on out of character for you guys is i promise to bring people on this show that are smarter than me so that i do not lead you astray people so without further ado i introduce y'all to a special q a segment of balling on a budget with bev bev how you doing today brother i'm doing well i'm doing well i can't complain i can't complain so i had to have you do this special version of balling on a budget with that man normally you know i just let you do your thing man but i had to ask you just some direct questions man you are a finance guy you are out of character finance guy we trust you man we know you know way more than i know so i have to ask you bro these stocks the stock market is crazy man specifically amc and gamestop brother yeah please explain to the people because I, I you can do it way more eloquently than i can please explain to the people what happened a few days ago <laughs> what we had was a uh, short sale mania <laughs> is the best way to to explain it. So uh, I'm going to be mindful in regards to giving terminology in regards to explaining things. So I'm going to try to kind of break it down and as we call it, layman terms as best I can. OK, uh, so first and foremost, when I say short sale, I want to give kind of a, an actual terminology in regards to that so people can have an idea of what that means. So I'm going to give you the actual definition, but I'll try to break it down in layman terms for you. So a short sale is when you borrow a stock from a broker and then you sell it immediately at its current price. Okay. So think of you went and bought a merchandise. Okay. You bought it at $10 and you sold it immediately at $10. Okay. But you hope that the stock price will fall. So you hope that that item will sell for cheaper once you sell it. That's why it's, a sh it's called a short sale. That's your hope. Your hope is that it'll it'll sell at a short at a short at a uh, lower price, and then you can buy it back. Because remember, you borrowed it, so you can buy it back at that lower price. So then you can be able, to, as we call it, make a spread, make a margin. So if you bought it at ten, you you buy and you buy it back at seven, you now have a three dollar three dollar difference between the two. Okay, all right. So that's kind of what a short sale is. What happened in, in uh, with with GameStop is that when you when you have a put so the, the hedge funds when you have a position of a short sale you're hoping again as we talked about you're hoping that the price goes down not the price goes up because if the price goes down you make a you make an actual profit if that price goes up remember you borrowed it so you got to pay it back so if let's say you borrowed it you you bought it at ten you you sold it. If you will, you sold it on a short sale, you borrowed it, sold it at, at $10, you're now hoping that that price goes down. If that price goes up to $20, you now are buying it back at 20 versus that 10. You see the difference between the two? You're paying more for what for the for the product that you bought. Okay. So that's what happened. In essence, um, you had a you had a hedge fund that I went out and short sold uh, the game stock and the game stock stock stock. GameStop stock, excuse me, and they were hoping that again the price would fall. When you have uh, individuals that they like to call the small investors go out and continuously buy a stock, so it's just like somebody going and buying a um, a pair of Jordans. Okay, so if you go out and buy a pair of Jordans and you turn right back around and you sell them on StockX, you sell them on StockX for a higher price, right? 
right because you want to you want to make some money that's essentially what people did they went out and they bought all these GameStop, <laughs> GameStop, GameStop stock and the the hedge fund is like the price is supposed to go down it's supposed to go down we're, we're, we're gonna make some money if it goes down no because so many people bought it it's like demand when when so many people buy it your stock go the price goes up similar to like StockX. when you buy something and you then you put it out on StockX and you turn back around and it's a demand for it there's not it's sold out there's not any more jordans left guess what happens to the price on StockX? that jordan price is now more expensive because it's no longer out there anymore we don't have any more you know if we we talk about let's just say the, the jordan 14s the the ones that that came out there with the blue and white ones, those those sold out they sold out quickly so when they sold out quickly everybody ran the stock and was like man i need a pair of those i want to be able to buy them they're no longer 200 dollars anymore they're now 250. like i said earlier this is from a reddit forum so how yeah. did a reddit forum accomplish this because is this something that's so easy that any large group of people can just make this happen like how did it affect essence, so much yeah. change so quickly because we've never seen anything like this yeah so that that's the that's the power of they call this the, the small uh if you will small investment so if you had let's just say 100 people that knew this information was like okay they bought it at ten dollars and if we buy enough of it we can make it go up to 15 yeah we could do that okay how about a hundred of us take our money and we go buy it and make that price go up to fifteen dollars so now if that hedge fund bought it at 10 it's not worth 15 guess what that hedge fund is at a five dollar loss that it has to pay that's on every single stock if you think about a hedge fund they're not just buying one share they're buying many of shares so if you have a million shares and you now have to pay a five dollar difference for each one of those million shares you all can do the math that's a lot of money that you, <laughs> you got to pay back because remember when you do a short sale you're borrowing it's on borrow it's like going out and lending money to somebody you're borrowing that money you have to pay that money back at the price that it's at at that time so when we go back to this few days ago right and anybody that was watching the stock market saw if we look at just let's just talk about amc in general right yep. amc had been losing money losing money losing money losing money, money. Yep. because as we know the pandemic left it so that nobody could go to the movie theater you know just very simple mm -hmm. like that they were losing money people aren't even able to shoot movies at the same capacity as they were um before covid so it was definitely affecting theaters in general so yep. amc stock was super super low and then out of nowhere people woke up in the morning and that stock had rose tremendously because of what exactly you just explained so yep. with that stock rising right it got so so high and then all of a sudden out of nowhere boom it stops and then the stock plummets again can you explain yep. to the people what happened and what caused that stock to plummet after jumping up so high because some people <laughs> including myself i'll be very candid including myself i didn't sell i saw it jump but i said oh man something just happened it's gonna go up even higher yeah and yep. instead me and you spoke about it too and instead of getting out of it and selling because it was some type of fluke in the system which i didn't completely understand i held and then less than 24 hours later all that money i had made was gone explain sure, why yeah that. so what happened is similar to as i was talking about with those hedge funds the hedge funds have a decent portion of those shares inside of their funds so if they choose to sell you're going to see that stock price go down because mm -hmm. they're holding a million shares you know or let's just say ten thousand or whatever uh, whatever number they have they hold a big portion compared to your you know 15 or 20 or whatever you have so when those hedge fund managers are like yo we have to get out guess what they're doing 
they taking all they <laughs> all they they shares and they're selling them at whatever price and taking that loss if they you know if they have one a lot of them did take a loss because of the way this short sale was they were again they were banking on it that price would go down when you and everybody else went in and bought those shares you brought the price up because that's what happened the more you buy it causes the price to go up so that that's what that's what happened and so when they seen that they're like okay i have to look out for my if you will clients my client has ten thousand shares in gamestop right now or amc and i cannot allow them to take a fifty thousand dollar loss i'm going to take whatever i can take right now in regards to that loss and just you know eat it and be okay with it because that price was moving i mean that stock was moving so fast amc and gamestop man they, they were like okay we gotta and so what happens is it happens quote unquote overnight so when when that you know when the stock market is closing they've already executed all of those all of those actual you know share oh excuse me of those those sales and so you don't see it at that time until that next morning when when it opens back up and boom all of those sales that have happened over overnight it then shows up and you're like what in the world just happened why did the stock price go down because they had already executed all those sales right at right before you know the stock market was closing and so it's not gonna it's not gonna show until it opens up that next morning and then once it shows there you go and, and to somebody like me that doesn't really understand the market at all i'm very very new into it i have very very small amount of stocks just trying to play with it trying to understand it a little more and somebody that sees something like this that's that's a newbie to mm -hmm. the stock market it sounds like to me that what happened here was that a bunch of people without much money at all made a bunch of people with a ton of money lose that money or lose they some did. of that money they and did. to me it, it 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 makes me look at it and on a flipped end of it so is the stock market truly just controlled by a bunch of rich people and because not a lot of us who don't have a lot of money understand the market and can influence the market because we don't have a large amount of just liquid money to be putting mm -hmm. into the stock market is that why stocks work for rich people but don't always seem to work for you know the disenfranchised or the people that don't have a lot of money to put into these stocks in essence, yes. Uh, you know, that's it seems that's like true. a pyramid scheme. It feels like <laughs> it really does feel like a pyramid scheme in a way. It's, it, that's in, the in a way I can tell yeah. all of these poor people to buy these stocks or trade these stocks or sell these stocks because what is going to mess with the money? What is going to mess with the market and sell it the same day and get it back the same day and make a couple thousand dollars by not doing anything other than clicking a couple buttons? Is that really how it's going? I mean, in, in essence, yes, um, it's not a Ponzi scheme, though. Uh, let's be mindful of that. It's not a Ponzi scheme, but it, it is heavily weighted by, you know, how much money you have. And, you know, let's let as we talk about kings and queens, how much money you have in the bag. Mm -hmm. If you if you got a certain amount of money in the bag, you can be able to move certain things because you have that leverage to be able to do that. There also is a thing that's, you know, that's called having that information, um, you know, as we as it, it's been exposed based off of what happened inside of, uh, you know, what with, with uh, GameStop and with AMC is that there was people that had information. They were able to move on that information, which caused that stock price to go up. You know, sometimes, just like what Reddit, sometimes that information isn't always available to the general public. Right. And right. so you see these moves that happen behind closed doors, and then you see people making more money because they get, they get information from individuals that are within certain places. So what happened was, and that's why a lot of these billionaires didn't like it, is that Reddit allowed that information to be readily available to the common investor.
and the common investor took advantage of that information. So this is why I always tell people it's not always it all. It's not always in, in regards to having all the money. It is what you know because if you have the money and then know what to then do with it, then you can be able to make those moves and make those situations. That's where they have those individuals such as hedge fund managers, investment financial advisors, those people who know what moves to be made. And then from there, they just take the bag and make the moves. And you said the word take advantage. But to me, it sounds as if stock market is taking advantage of the people that don't have the resources or the finances to get this information. Because if you don't know any better, like for instance, if me and you didn't have the talks that we had, I wouldn't really know anything that comes to the stock market. Mm -hmm. And I would have nobody to ask questions to. And that's why I wanted you to jump on at the beginning of the show. Absolutely. But I want to talk to you about this because there are so many questions that people have and they don't have the answers to. And that's was a that's a big reason for having Ball on a Budget with Bev. Is because Correct. you have a lot of information that a lot of our listeners and viewers do not have, bro. So we appreciate you, man. But I do got one more question for you. I'm going to put you on no, the you're spot. Fine. You're fine. I'm going to put fine. you on the spot now. Because, okay. like I said, we had never seen this before. And you are somebody <laughs> that has dedicated their life to finance, to understanding the market, understanding money, and just being very, very good with your finances. Absolutely. So, for me, as somebody that's brand new to it, like I said, I've never seen this before. It's like, you've never seen this before. I still have that AMC stock. The same amount of AMC stock I have, <laughs> I still have it. And it has dropped tremendously. Yes. What the hell do I do with it? Do I just sell it and just get it out of here because movie theaters are not going to exist anymore? Or what, what does somebody like me do that, can I expect this to happen again? I guess <laughs> I expect this to happen again because if I can't, I'll sit on it, brother. I, just it I don't want to lose money. What should I Absolutely. do? What should Absolutely. others do with the AMC and GameStop stocks? Absolutely. So one, any fool would that would tell you to try to time the market is lying to you. Okay. Mm. Any any person that is in the finance accounting space, they'll tell you you can never time the market, no matter how hard you try. So I would be a fool to sit there and tell you, oh, this is going to happen again. I don't know. I can't time the market. That's that. I, I would be a fool to do to do that to you. And anybody that that has ever tried to do that to you, you look them in the face and say, stop being a fool because you can't time the market. <laughs> it's, this is not the way. It's not the way it works. Um, but this is this is a very very good example of why I have said this on many different occasions and the, the the Oracle Warren Buffett has said this on many different occasions as well. You said it and you forget it. Individuals that are trying to quote unquote time the market by buying these stock and like, well, do I hold it? Do I sell it? This is this and that. You're going to always play we call the rat race game, which is what you're playing. You're playing that game of, OK, is it going to go back up? Is it going to go down? No. What we do is and this is what we talked about is you put you get a mutual fund, you get the ETF, you put it in there you just let it go because if if in fact if in fact that you know that etf or that mutual fund or whatever you know um financial instrument that you use that had the game stock in it you would then be able to determine okay either do i set it do i let it go do i keep keep riding what do i do but trying to individually pick stocks and be able to say okay do i ride this way do i do i, do I try that those right. are the ones that you know it's always hard to do so what i will tell you is um if you look at it from where you bought it at right now and you say, okay, it makes sense that I can take this loss. You know, if it is a loss, I can take this loss and I can be able to use it for something else. You know, again, that's a personal tax question and those particular things. Then yes, do it. But if you feel like, okay, I want to hold it. And, and this is where we we say the research comes into play. If you research the company and say, okay, maybe AMC and the movie theaters may come back. They may end up, maybe they may not do necessarily where they stay inside of theaters. Maybe they move into the streaming industry and they start doing those things. And I see which is possible that they may do. if you're yeah, listening. Which is possible. That is possible so, if you're that is possible. Don't let me yeah, think that it's just going away. I was exactly. just giving so, an example. And 
and, and if in fact they do, then that's really like, you know what, I'm gonna sit with this because there's a possibility that it may, you know, may, it may go well. There's the same thing with Tesla. People are doing the same thing. They're like, you know what, I'm gonna buy Tesla. I'm gonna hold it and I'm gonna see what may happen. They, they may end up doing very, very well, or they may not. It, again, it's, it's always, and I say this all the time, it's a gamble no matter what you do, because you can either make a lot of money or you can lose a lot of money in a snap <laughs> of a finger. Just like that. That's the stock market. That's the risk you play. It's the risk versus the reward. And right now, the question is, what's what's the risk you want to take to hold it? Or what's the reward to go ahead and sell it, take your losses and keep it moving? And for somebody like me, I was very beneficial because I had this AMC stock for months. I just grabbed it because I know it was lower than it's ever going to be. And mm -hmm. I've always thought, even right now, I think that there's no way that movie theaters are disappearing. This, this is some type of cathartic experience, experience. when it comes to theaters yep. that I think yep. that eventually, like, we're not going to be trapped in the house forever. At least, like, we just don't think we so, <laughs> I mean, eventually, they got to come back. So, me, I saw it as, I'm just going to sit on it because eventually, theaters are going to come back. And that's what I bought them for, for Jump. I didn't expect Reddit to make me money. I expected theaters to come back come and back. the stock yep. to naturally and gradually just raise up and, you know, become profitable for me so luckily i wasn't like i i bought any extra or nothing like that i just sat on it. i didn't do anything with it but it was just such a crazy thing that happened man absolutely come on talk to us about it man because it was just man bro it, it was it, 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 it was caught, wild. it caught all of us by surprise man it called i mean everybody, sure. like, Whoa, what what's going on what? yeah it was it was a lot but it, it was it was really good because i truly do hope uh whether that's individuals who are watching this listening to this or just individuals in general understand that you know the power of coming together as a group and actually using that money to make an influence it actually can make a difference you know and we've seen that with the power of a group of people putting their money together and saying you know what we're gonna make a change for this doctor we're gonna do it so you know i don't want to I, I say that because i don't want people to look at it like oh it's a ponzi scheme i can understand why somebody would view it that way i get that <laughs> i'm not disagreeing with with that what i'm saying is the the value and understanding of how your money if combined together with either other individuals can make a difference similar to how your one vote combined together can make a difference whether that's in georgia pennsylvania all these other things that are happening i think people need to really take a step back and understand that their money their voice their vote really does make a difference and use it in the spaces that you can be able to use it and if there's nothing else you take from what we just talked about just now take that is that your voice your money all of it matters in that anybody at any time if they come together they can impact and make a change and we know we i think we all thought the stock market was ironclad yes it's very volatile <laughs> and it goes up and down but i don't think anybody could have expected a reddit group You'll turn the stock market upside down. And I and I, I truly believe that this isn't the last we've seen of this. I think that there's oh, absolutely. More, I think this inspired a lot of people to realize, like we just said, of how much power they have with just a couple clicks. So I am very interested to see what happens with this man. If there is more developing things with this, bro, I'd love for you to come back and talk to us. For you know sure. you're gonna keep jumping on. Because we know we're gonna have you back, brother. We know you're gonna have you do more segments of balling on the budget with Bev. But before I let you go, my guy, I would love to get another positive minute from you if you have it. If you are my ready, brother, if you're prepared, my brother, my brother, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Because I'm the people need ready. it. That, that positive people minute, need it. man. The positive minute is needed. I got a perfect one, too. I got a perfect one. Yeah, because you know what? Listen, this one is actually really good because uh, I want to set the stage. All right. We, we've gotten through January. We're at the first week of February. And it's oftentimes where those first 30 days of the year, people make these New Year's resolutions, make these goals, and then they usually kind of taper off after those first 30 days. So... What I want to do with this positive Bev minute is give you a little encouragement. So here we go. 
never give up. For that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. Never give up. For that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. Here we go. Whatever your passion may be, chase it with resilience. With great accomplishment comes great potential for criticism. In other words, haters don't hate. No matter what the critics say, be yourself and keep doing your best. So again, as you have taken 30 days, 30, what, 30 is the, the what is it, the set, the, thir- the fifth, so 35 days of the year already, okay? And I know it's probably been a crazy 35 days of 2021, but I want you to hunker down. I want you to look and say, okay, I'm ready to get recharged. I'm ready to get ready to get back in it and go after the goals and the resolutions that you set at the beginning of the year. Don't give up. Give it everything you've got. And no matter what, no matter what, do not give up, my people. You got this. I promise you, you do. You got it. Do work. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our finance guy and good friend of the show, Professor Mike Bev, with a special segment of Ball on a Budget with Bev. People, I was so glad he was able to answer those questions for me because I feel that knowing that things like that are possible, knowing that the little guy, that the guy that makes less than six figures a year actually does have some power and is actually able to affect the stock market, people. And what did Bev said, people, that means that you can do things. Don't say that you're not capable of making change because clearly a bunch of people coming together was able to make very drastic changes and almost made and actually did make a lot of people some money. But while I heard Bev talk, while I heard him explain what really went down, all it made me think about was the word leverage leverage because people coming together being able to do that to the stock market caused leverage because you were able to make a change you were able to make a difference and when i think of the word leverage i think a lot of times about work in general right we're talking about money we're talking about work and you think about your bosses, right? You think about you at a job, and especially people in like my age bracket, where you know you're very entry level, or just you know the first five or six years within whatever company you've decided to work for and start your career with, right? You're about maybe five or six years, if that, into your career. And when you're at that stage of your life, a lot of times, especially when it comes to work, you don't always feel like you have leverage. Not because you're not talented, not because your work isn't excellent, not because you are overpaid because that is very seldom the case, but because especially when you're a minority, I don't like making everything black and white, but what it's gonna say when you're a minority, that could be a woman, that could be any type of minority, not just race, but a lot of times when you are a minority and you are in the workplace, when you're in a professional setting, you do not feel like you have that leverage because you feel like there are only so many opportunities for you. And rightfully so. Because of the way the work structure is, because of the way America has been built, the opportunities aren't for all of us. The opportunities are for the white male. We see it. That's not just me making things up or being whatever. That is statistical. White males have way more jobs than any other race, ethnicity, gender period that's just a true fact that is all facts and when you understand that it makes you feel that you're even lucky to even have a job because jim bill and bob 
more than likely would have got it in any other circumstance. That's just the type of thing that you think about, especially when you're towards the beginning of your career. And when you're in these situations where you don't feel like you have leverage, especially when it's involving your career, your well-being, and the way you pay your bills, a lot of times it puts you in a position to compromise your morals. Maybe take less money than you normally would take. When you feel like you don't have leverage, you seem to allow things that normally would never be acceptable to happen. And a lot of that happens at work. And I've been seeing it just all over the place, all on Twitter, on Instagram, talking to my different friends. And it they all sound as if they aren't being truly appreciated. And they don't feel like they're in a position to really stand up for themselves or get the appreciation they feel they deserve because they do not feel like they have the leverage to stand up for themselves. They feel that they are in a position where if they do stand up for themselves, if they demand the respect that they feel they deserve, that they will not only be looked at in a negative light, that they actually might lose their jobs or lose other opportunities that, like I previously said, they might not feel like they are getting. So when you're in that position, it can make you feel so low, especially during a pandemic when a lot of people just feel like they're just lucky to have a job. But one thing that also happened in the pandemic is these companies, all of them, every company, in every instance, lost money. So what happens is when they lose money, they lose resources. And when they lose resources, that means they lose personnel or the ability to bring in personnel. And I don't think that a lot of us understand that. When a company is losing money, the last thing they wanna do is fire you, let you go, or let you walk out that door, or have to bring in a new person because it is two to three times more expensive to bring in and hire a new person than it is to retain an old one, people. We all know that, that's basic business. So my friend told me this story, which I really wanted to share with you guys, because you know we are on the Out of Character Podcast. We are all about inspiration, people. We are all about inspiring you and telling you stories that maybe might help change your life. And when I heard this particular story, I said, oh, I have to share it with my Out of Character family, because it inspired me. It inspired me, and it reminded me to understand that if you do good work, if you're a hard worker and you're dedicated to your job, that you will always have leverage. Because I guarantee you, if you are a hard worker, if you are dedicated to your job, you are an asset to that company and you are bringing things in every single day that this company would not be able to survive without. And if they could survive without it, I guarantee you they would have somebody else in your position doing it. But because you feel like you have no leverage, because you feel like there's not a lot of potential to get new positions or keep your own current position, you are working two or three times harder than anybody else that does not feel like the leverage is against them, that feels like they have that leverage every day. You are working two or three times harder. You're taking that extra shift. You're working later at night. You're taking extra tax. You're volunteering when other people that feel like they do have leverage to not volunteer, that feel like they do not have to go that extra mile because they have leverage, those people aren't doing that. So imagine what all of these minority people, and like I said, we're not just talking race, we're talking men and women too. Imagine the type of work they are doing because they feel like they have no leverage. Imagine the type of money they are saving their company because they're working overtime without clocking those hours. Because they're working that overnight shift where the company didn't have to go hire a brand new person to just work overnight. So when I heard this story, it reminded me of how much leverage that we always have as these minorities that feel like we don't have leverage because we're working so much harder than everybody else. But it also reminded me of how much leverage we've gained within this whole pandemic. So what I'm gonna do people, is I'm gonna read to you a chain of emails 
from one of my good friends now I'm not going to say any names we have already changed the names and all these emails so that nobody gets in trouble we're not going to talk about the company because I do not want anybody to get in trouble I'm very grateful that this person even shared this story with me but I'm going to give you a little context first so according to my friend he works for this company he's been working for them for a long time and he has had a lot of struggles working for this particular company because he is one of only I believe two so he's one of two black people that work at this company the other one is his supervisor who is a black male but the rest of his co-workers because it's not a huge company it's very small so they work very tight-knit but they're all white either white women or white males and during these last four years of having donald trump as the president these particular white people he works with have been very vocal about how much they support trump now what i can tell you guys is that this brother does live in nebraska right so understand that this is a brother that is very used to being the only brother in the room and very used to being the only brother at the job very used to being the only brother in the classroom so this is not nothing new to him he is not sensitive to any of this he's actually very very used to it but after a while especially with how crazy things were with trump it's a lot to handle at times it's a lot to handle especially when you're in a place like nebraska because you literally don't feel safe you literally feel like anything can happen to you because they're so very few amount of minorities in general that nobody is going to protect you nobody's going to keep you safe and that really white people could do whatever they want to you that is the feeling that black men feel sometimes in nebraska that is not a joke i know that sounds extreme but i promise you people that is the lifestyle a lot of people are living in predominantly white places man we do not feel safe because when you feel outnumbered you feel like you have no leverage right you feel like you can't do anything to keep yourself safe and i feel like that is what this brother had been feeling while working with this company and you have to do this every day you have to be around these people you have to see their facebook posts you have to see all this because he works in a space where he has to see all kind of different digital things all kind of different social media things so he's very much tapped into what everybody's doing on social media and y'all know how trump supporters get on facebook so they're very vocal and so he's had to see and just kind of stomach all of these things while continuing to be a professional because that's what you do when you feel like you have no other choice you stomach it you deal with it because the show must go on you got to make this money you got to make this paper and i know we all can relate to that we all have felt that so what was happening at this company was there was just some coincidences that made him miss two meetings the first meeting he missed was on the day that those terrorists stormed the state capitol now the reason i know that that and he doesn't live in dc right he's in nebraska he's far away but like i previously said in nebraska you are surrounded by trump supporters and a lot of times the nasty ones the ones that'll hurt you the ones that'll kill you there were trump supporters that murdered people in the streets and nothing happened to them in nebraska during all this time so with him knowing all of his co-workers are trump supporters with him knowing all of his neighbors my man owns a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood but he's surrounded by trump supporters and he knows this so rightfully so all of us was messed up that day rightfully so so imagine how he's feeling of course i'm not gonna want to go to a meeting the minute all of this happens i'm a little distracted there's a lot going on like a lot of minorities felt like a lot of americans felt you didn't even have to be black to be sad to be scared on what had happened that day when those terrorists stormed the capitol building so that's why he missed that first meeting the second meeting was just to, without getting too deep in the story it was just a big misunderstanding he thought something was going to start later than it was and he had just missed the meeting 
But what happens when you do something like Miss Two Meetings? When you've taken on extra projects, when you've worn three or four different hats because the company doesn't have a lot of money, when you have gone above and beyond to be the best employee that you can be, what happens when you make a few little mistakes? What happens when you make a few little mistakes and your boss understands the leverage that they have over you? What happens is that they feel like maybe they could talk to you any type of way. Maybe they could be a little condescending. Maybe they can go across certain lines that they wouldn't cross with other people because they know, one, you will not say anything. Two, you are not going to do anything about it or tell anybody because you do not feel like you have the leverage or the strength or the power to make anything happen. Because what might end up happening is if you say something or tell on your coworker, you might end up losing your job. That is the mindset that somebody that feels like they do not have leverage at the workplace goes through on a regular basis. Let me tell you people, it is not good for your mental health. That's the whole reason why I'm talking about this, right? Is because I understand there are a ton of people out there and all ranks and all different lifestyles and all different jobs that have that feeling that they are being undervalued, underappreciated, and that they do not have the leverage to do anything about it. So my homeboy missed these two meetings, right? And so what ended up happening was his CEO reached out to him directly. So what I'm going to do for you guys right now is I'm going to read an email chain between my friend and his CEO. And I'm going to talk to you about it. We're going to want to go over it. Trust me, people. It's worth hearing because I was very, very impressed with my friend, let me tell you. So this is from the CEO. And like I said, we're using all fake names. So this is all fake names. Alex, I was very disappointed to learn that you blew off a scheduled meeting with Serica, Monica, and Alex's supervisor a second time this month. That sort of behavior is unprofessional, rude, and frankly, very unlike you. You can already hear like the attitude, right? You can already hear the condescension coming from this lady. It's a woman, it's the CEO. If something is going on in your life right now that is making it hard to meet your work commitments, please let me know so that the agency can support you and ensure work gets done as well. Regardless, you do owe Sarah an apology, including an assurance that it won't happen again. Now, first of all, let me tell you, if you were really worried about what was going on in my life, that is not how you are addressing me. You are just going to straight up ask, yo, is everything okay? But what you are doing by saying it in such a way, let me say it again. If something is going on in your life right now that is making it hard to meet your work commitments, please let me know so that the agencies can support you and ensure work gets done as well. All that's saying is, yo, get your work done. I do not care what you have going on. But what she sounds like she's saying is she's almost like she's belittling him saying, oh, do you have something going on? Oh, there must be something deeper going on with you because you're not getting work done. You missed two meetings. That's not even not getting work done. That's just making a couple mistakes. So there's already a level of condescension and disrespect and really no real means to really get to know what's going on with him. There's definitely ways to communicate with people and that is not the way to do it. What she did right there, she put a nuts right on the table for him. She just wanted to let him know you're not doing the right things and, and shaping up, which a lot of bosses do. And you know what? It's a business. It is a business. So she has every right in saying that. But when you cross certain lines, when you talk to somebody like you're better than them, when you condescend people, you might get a reaction. You might get a little bit of spice back, but what these CEOs with these bosses don't think is going to happen is because they think that they have all the leverage. They don't think you're going to stand up for yourself. So let me tell you, let me tell you how my boy responded to that. Dear CEO, I did apologize to Sarah through text, but if she wants a 401 via email, that's not a problem. 
I'll get right on that. I don't know if you're aware of this, but just for context, the first meeting was scheduled the Wednesday a bunch of white supremacists tried to take over the country. I live smack dab in the middle of a bunch of proud Trump supporters who would have likely been at the Capitol themselves if able. I have to look at this stuff every day and what he did was he attached a photograph that he took from across the street, his neighbors across the street, and this is what the photograph has. I'll put it up for people that are watching. This is what the photograph had. First, it's a Trump Pence flag hanging on like a patio and then under it is a big sign and it says, in all my 40 years as an eligible voter and U.S. citizen, I have never been more proud of a sitting president than I am right now. Thank you, Donald Trump and family, for your service to this country. So they put up a big sign right in front of his house to let him know where they're at. And there's like three or four Trump signs all around this house. So they want everybody in this neighborhood to know, including the black young man right across from them in their very nice neighborhood, that they stand by everything Trump supports and that they are here for him. I wouldn't feel too safe either having neighbors like that, right? Because clearly they're gung-ho Trump. So we continue this email. I work with people who support Trump. I work with people who think kneeling during the national anthem is an insult to America. I work with people who want to celebrate bigots. So for me as a black person, there was nothing else on my mind but the news that day. That meeting was the lowest of my priorities. I don't expect you or Sarah to fully understand that. The second time I was in the other room and I thought the meeting was at 2.30 instead it was at 2 clearly an easy mistake he was actually in the building he just was in the wrong room clearly simple mistake there's a lot of things going on right now we're going through a pandemic people email continues if there was something going on in my life and this is i like this if there was something going on in my life making it hard for me to do my job i don't think i would ever tell you mary or anybody else at this agency besides my own supervisor based on the way the situation with karen was handled and how your best efforts was to have me compromise on racism with the mediator i have zero expectations or trust that any of you would be able to help me in any way so to give a little context on his situation with him and karen there was a matter that had happened back a few months ago and it, it rubbed him the wrong way he felt that it was racially charged and instead of the company taking care of it and dealing with it and taking it seriously they just had a mediator come talk to them and nothing happened which happens to us a lot of times we just all of our problems and all of our issues that we have just gets brushed under the table because we're not taken seriously so the email continues now he has sent all of this to her right he has let her know in the most respectful polite way that even if there was an issue, which you shouldn't have brought up anyway, because my personal life really has nothing to do with you. Even if there was an issue, I do not trust your ability to handle this situation the right way. So why would I ever open up to you? Why would I ever open up to you when you have shown in past instances that you do not care about me or me being valued and treated like every other employee? You've already taught me that. So why would I feel comfortable going above and beyond to express to you that things are going on? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to miss those two meetings and maybe a couple more because I am sick of being undervalued and treated like I don't matter. So if I know that my coworkers support bigots, if I know that my coworkers love Trump, then I know that you know. I know that you as a boss know. And honestly, politics, there is no place for politics in a work setting. So the fact that he even knows this is just uncomfortable for everybody and it's super unprofessional. But these last four years, it seemed like professionalism and decorum just went out of the window with these Trump supporters. And it gets to a point where it gets sickening. So he tells her that and he's very, very honest with her and very blunt with her. And you know what happens when you're honest, people? Do you know what happens when you hit an ignorant person with undeniable truth? The attitudes change. They talk to you just a little different. That email 
has a little less spice. So let's continue to read how she responded and how my man continued to talk to her. Let's, let's keep reading. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you doing your part to model positive relationships within the agency by apologizing to Sarah. I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm just going to keep going. Thank you for also providing context regarding the first meeting you missed. I believe the other attendees would have understood a desire to reschedule the meeting based on the attempted coup by white supremacists that happened that day, or would have at least understood that explanation for why you missed the meeting. So basically telling him, bro, you should have just told us what was going on, right? Not really understanding what he was trying to say and why he felt that he wasn't comfortable telling people that that was making him uncomfortable. She continued, I am so sorry you have to look at displays like the one you shared with me. I join you in your disgust, but also acknowledge I will never truly understand how it feels for you to see that from your neighbors. I also realize that my disgust and feeling sorry do nothing without action behind them. I assure you there is action happening as well. As you astutely pointed out earlier this year, if these problems were going to be solved by black people talking about them and taking action, they'd have been solved a long time ago. So I certainly take responsibility for taking action as a white person. I think she meant for not taking action as a white person. Meanwhile, through that whole paragraph, there was no actual explanation of what that action would be. And that's what they like to do to us a lot, too. They like to say, oh, there's going to be action. Oh, we're going to make a change. Oh, they'll make a big hoopla with all the inclusion and diversity that they're going to add into their companies without actually telling you how they're going to do it or without any actionable moves. Right. That's that's how they do it. So she continues. I'm deeply saddened to learn that you do not trust me playing the uh, playing the battered white woman card i want you to know working with the mediator was never going to be about compromising on racism he just told you that's how he felt it's not about what you thought it is about what he thought so she continues just to just gaslight everything my man said to her in the beginning I would like to discuss the situation with Karen and how it was handled with you. I would like to return to a trusting work relationship, and I don't see how that can happen unless we have honest conversation. I will be open and transparent with you and will share everything that I am legally able to share. I am truly and genuinely committed to making our organization anti-racist, and I value your feedback on what you'd like to see me do as one of the leaders of this organization. Are you up for that? Question mark. If so, please let me know what would be best for you. Still feeling very like she's being condescending. Very much is so like, okay, you tell me what to do. No, you're the leader. You are in charge. It is not my job as your employee to tell you how to be a decent human and to how to get the people that are under you to be decent humans as well. It's not my job as your employee. But what these CEOs and these bosses want to do when all this racism comes up is they just come straight to us. Well, you tell us what to do. You let us know what to happen. You think if we were in a position to do that and really get you to change and make some stuff happen that we would have done that a long time ago? Come on, people. Let's be real. And we know when we talk to you, y'all still ain't going to do nothing. There's a small percentage of y'all that might make a change, but why would y'all change anything when y'all are in y'all comfortable lives, when y'all have all of the leverage in the world? Why would you change anything? And that's what we think about you guys. And that's what we think when we hear and read emails like this to where you're just talking to talking at us. You're not talking with us. You're talking at us. But you're asking me to have more conversation with you when you're not even listening to the basic things that I'm saying right now. So let's see what my guy said. Clearly, I feel very strongly about this, but. I mean, we've all been in these situations before, and I'm sure y'all can feel me on this. So this is from Alex to his CEO. 
I've personally never heard any complaints about how I interact with my coworkers or any complaints about my actual work until now. I believe I have a fine working relationship with everyone, and I don't believe anything has changed at all since I first started working here. I like to keep my personal life entirely separate because you are all not my family, nor do I consider you all my friends. We are co-workers. I have no desire to be so comfortable with my co-workers that I will tell them if something in my personal life is upsetting me. I am thankful we have PTO so that I do not need to be at work distracting everyone else with my problems. Man, great way to let this lady know that it is not her place to know anything about you or your personal life that you do not want to let her know. What she is trying, what she tried to do was make him feel like he was a bad person, like he was being a bad employee, like he was being a bad teammate by going through things in life, by having feelings and not wanting to talk about them. You guys are not my counselor. You guys, like he said, you're not my family, you're not my friends. Why would I feel comfortable divulging the deepest feelings and my emotions that I have that I'm going through right now during a pandemic where people are going through the lowest of lows that they have ever gone through why would I feel comfortable talking to y'all about that when y'all have constantly showed me that y'all don't care about me anyway my guy continues I understand the explanation of why Karen couldn't be held accountable legally and accept the results not really sure what all the legal stuff is we're not gonna get into all that I can't do anything about that it is out of my control but that doesn't mean I like it or that it makes sense in essence, I could echo Trump's statements about building a wall to keep out Latinos because they are gang members, drug addicts, and rapists on social media, and then turn around and try to recruit these same people, which actually happened. Which actually happened. These people work with youth and people in the community, and there are people that post and share racist and bigoted things about the same cultures that they are supposed to be helping out within their community, which can you imagine how sickening that is? To have to deal with and see and understand that and have like a straight vision to that like being able to see that close up it's got to eat you up as a minority especially a minority that's from that community right it's got to kill you so he continues but if i wasn't an employee and i was just a volunteer and i said something like this my file would have been terminated immediately or never allowed to volunteer at all nothing i hear is going to change my mind about how wrong that is if it changed that's great but it still leaves a very bitter taste in my mouth saying Bruh, you can dress this donkey up and fine garments and beautiful braids and golden horseshoes and you're not going to be able to get me to believe that that shit is a horse. It is still a donkey. You can clean up and fix whatever, but the fact that you allowed this behavior to happen at all and exist until I had to say something shows me where your heart lies, shows me where you stand. I should not have to correct your behavior. If you start acting right after I have the corrected behavior that should have never taken place in the first place, then I know where you stand. I know who you are. I know that naturally you would continue to act in terrible ways if I was not here to check you. And that is what makes me not believe anything you have to say. That's what he's saying right here. And he, and he finishes up. Professionally, I trust you. You are the captain of the ship. But personally, I have no desire to be on that level with you. I don't mean to offend, but the way Caller didn't want her picture on anything that represents our company is how I don't want relationships with coworkers. There was an employee in the company that didn't want her name, face, or any of her likeness attached to this company because she understood the ugly things that were going on within this company. But because people don't feel like they have the leverage because it's a pandemic and people don't feel like they can just up and quit jobs they are forced to deal with things like this they are forced to swallow things like this and things like this will never 
go away. And I'm not going to read the rest of you guys, people, because that was basically the stuff I wanted you to hear. And the back and forth I wanted you guys to listen to because, man, what a way to articulate a f you to your boss. What a way to talk about everything you have going on without doing anything wrong. And the reason he felt so comfortable to wrap all this around, the reason he had felt so comfortable speaking to her and being so candid with her, when like I said, a lot of people that are in those positions don't feel that comfortable because they don't feel like they have the leverage, he recognized his leverage. This brother has had to wear four or five different hats since the pandemic started because the company's losing money, because the company had to fire people, and he agreed to take on task after task after task, work way more hours than he was ever had signed up to work because he knew it was the right thing to do because he was there to help the company and because in all likeliness, it's his job, it's his well-being, it's his livelihood. And he felt he had no choice because he knew that the people that felt like they had more leverage, his coworkers weren't gonna step up to the plate so he had no choice. And that the company didn't hesitate to ask him because they knew more than likely he was going to do it because that's what we do because that's what we do as minorities people that's what we do as entry-level people we do whatever's asked of us we go above and beyond because we feel like we have no choice and that is still what this brother did but people when you are an asset to your company when you wear four or five different hats recognize that recognize that people and recognize that that right there gives you leverage now i'm not telling you to go cuss your boss out i am not telling you to go quit your job i am not telling you to skip meetings that is not the point of this the point of this is to get people listening to realize that if you are doing your job the right way if you have come in if you haven't been late every day if you have been busting your butt if you have been staying late coming in early if you are one of those people that bust they back for their company you might not be paid enough you might not be respected all the time but one thing you do have is leverage because these companies need you it's not the billionaire vps and ceos that these companies need it's the people that are doing three times the work for half the money that is your leverage right there because this company needs you because like i said it is two or three times more expensive to bring in a new employee than to retain an old one so I say this to say, people, if you feel your bosses, your CEOs, if your coworkers, your supervisors are stepping over lines, especially during sensitive times like this, especially during times when it has been magnified how little they respect and appreciate minorities in this country, there are ways to stand up for yourself. And that was why I read these emails to you, because there are ways to use the leverage that you have knowing that you work your butt off for this company. There are respectful and correct ways to defend yourself, to speak up for yourself. And people, I implore all of you guys to do that with everything in life. Speak up for yourself, defend yourself. Because when you allow people to talk down to you, when you allow people to disrespect you, when you allow people to make you feel less than you are actually worth, it is going to drain you. It is going to kill your mental health and it will cause problems for you. It is not causing problems for your CEO. It is not causing problems for your boss. Because I guarantee you, the minute you are in the hospital for two years because you had an anxiety attack and you lost it because the pressures of your job, your job is replacing you within 30 days. If you get hit by a car tomorrow, 
your job is putting up a wanted ad that same day. So the least you can do is protect your mental health, people. The least you can do is understand that you have leverage and understand your worth. And that's what Out of Character is all about. That's what I'm all about. Not only understanding my own worth, but understanding other people's worth and helping other people understand their own worth. That's what this story is about. That's why I share these emails with you. Shout out to my guy for letting me share those emails with you all. I thought it was so important just to, for us to get a depiction of having some type of leverage within the workplace and just standing up for yourself. He didn't come at her disrespectful. He didn't call her any names. He didn't curse. He didn't do anything out of the normal. And maybe he was had a right to get a little crazy, to get a little ignorant, and he did it. Even when she was condescending, he was honest with her. He spoke his truth. And I guarantee you being able to do that and let that out did so much for that brother's mental health, did so much for that brother's soul. And it made me so happy to hear that I had a friend that was brave enough to do something like that. And it was something I just had to share with you guys. It's something I had to share with you guys because it inspired me. It inspired me to make sure I know my worth and to not allow people to just talk to me any type of way. Because me, I'm crazy. Like I, will, I don't really let people talk to me any type of way. But I've been in positions where I was at a job and somebody said something to me and I didn't say what I normally would say back because I was like, ah, ah BC, you gonna lose your job, brother. Don't be that angry black man at work. I know we've all been there because that's the stigma they try to put on us to get more leverage on top of us so people we changing the game now baby we are understanding that we have the leverage that these big companies need us and that there are plenty of opportunities out there if these companies don't want to give us the respect the money and the value that we deserve that's men that's women that's black brown purple gold whatever type of people know your worth know that you have leverage and do not allow people to tear at your mental health because bro this world it's ugly. This world is ugly and this life is very, very short. And the last thing we want to do is add stress to an already stressful situation, which is just working and providing for yourself within a pandemic, right? We still go to work. We still doing all these things and being active during a pandemic. So hopefully these jobs understand if they don't, make sure you defend yourself, people, because life is too short to be miserable at a job, people. This is episode 12 of the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You will call me BC too if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. And we hope you're still listening, people. I know that got a little heavy. I know that was a lie. I know we done talked about finances. We done talked about work. But now, people, it's time to have some fun. Now, it's February. It's February, people. And I have not seen a very close friend of mine in a very long time he has not jumped on the out of character podcast with us in 2021 people and if you don't know who i'm talking about i'm gonna let you know who i'm talking about that is my good brother ike on the mic and the thing is people things have been so crazy normally i let brother ike just do his thing just like i let brother Ben do his thing but i'm feeling active i want to talk to people i have questions i have things i want to do and with the way the world has been going on, people, with how crazy things have been in America, I feel that out of character has to have like, like a news segment. If y'all, if y'all know me, y'all know my background, y'all know I come from news. I come from writing, producing, reporting, anchoring news, right? That's my background, people. I hated it. Let me tell you, I hated it. But with everything going on, you know, I feel like we need to just, we need to just give y'all some news. We need to just give y'all some news, but give y'all news the right way. Because, man, you turn on Fox and you're being lied to. Maybe you turn on CNN and you feel like you're being lied to. You don't know who to believe or who to talk to. But, people, 
I got somebody here to give y'all the news that keep it real, that keep it funky, that would never lie to you, and that always keeps it 100 with the Out of Character family. Somebody you all can trust if you are fans of the Out of Character podcast, and that is my big brother, Ike. And yes, people, he is on the mic, but this time he's on the mic in a different way. Brother Ike is on the streets. He is on the streets, people, giving y'all what is going on with America, with the world, and giving y'all his take. Because y'all know Brother Ike sees things from a different lens. So let's get it cracking. We're going to get Ike on the mic. We're going to have him transmit in. But actually, I believe we got my man Ike in D.C. right now. And the reason we have him in D.C. is because, like we've talked about in previous episodes, the white folks was going crazy. The mayonnaise militia was on a mission to take over the state capital in D.C., people. So what we had to do is we had to send our boy Ike out there, man. My man had to tell us what's going on. Ike, are you with us, brother? Yes, yes, D.C. We are here. There's a whole cuckoo kachoo going on, an insurrection. If you didn't think they could do anything before, well, God damn it, you, you should see them now. Well... I thought about going inside with him, and then I thought about it. I didn't know if it would be a federal police officer shooting me or or a Trump supporter. So I just decided to stay out here and kick it. Um, and there's a lot going on. Um, no National Guard, though. Uh, no real police. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but they going crazy. And what the? Oh, shit. I, I, I was that a was was that was that a person? I, I what, what's happening back there? BC, I had to get out of there. Um, <laughs> I I'm at the White House now. It is not safe at the Capitol. I am at the White House now, and um, I'm here to see about these goddamn stimulus checks. Um, my folks out in Georgia, my auntie, my mama and them, all of them. I ain't even from Georgia, but my folks. Pookie and them, they went out and voted. And we was told we was getting $2,000. And my bank account <coughs> still says empty. BC, what's your bank account say? Because mine ain't up right now. What you got, brother? Mine is is quite down, actually. Um, The stimulus check that they gave us was not enough, if, if, if I dare say. It wasn't It wasn't quite enough. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. Um, Yo, uh, how, how, how'd you get to the White House so fast? Yeah, so um, I used my stimulus check money and uh, that little bit of 600 I figured no reason to pay bills because, you know, I'm past 600 in debt right now. So why not say fuck it and travel? So I figured I'd just take a quick trip from the Capitol to the White House. And, you know, here I am knocking at Joe Biden's door asking for my two goddamn bands. So open up the door, uh, Mr. Man. I got you in there. So I want my money. B.C.? Well, well, brother Ike, we, we appreciate you, man, for being so so fast and vigilant. We hope, we hope you stay safe out there, man. Uh, we're we're gonna move forward. I'm on the out of character news. So another thing happened. We're talking about Ike was talking about that money, talking about that stimmy, and the stock markets are going crazy. The stock markets are in flux, all because of wait, wait. we got we got brother Ike in New York. He's in New York City, right? People, we got Brother Ike in New York. Don't let me talk about it. Let him talk about it. Brother Ike, what are you doing in New York? Yeah, so, uh, BC, I didn't have to use all my stimulus money to, in D.C., so I, I decided to use the rest in, uh, well, maybe not the rest, but a little bit of it and head to New York. And, you know, I used a little bit of money that I had from that little bit of stimmy, and I, I dropped it in Robin Hood, and the guys on Reddit, we fucking up the hedge fund right now, brother. 
They are done. They are running. They done halted stocks. Bro, I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. Bro, we in crypto. We in it all, brother. We in it all. We coming up. We coming up. But I think they just, I, I, one sec. Robinhood just, they just froze AMC again. So, so we gonna get out whenever they let me back in. But BC, the stock market going crazy. The hedge fund motherfuckers, they running. We up. What's up? Pandemonium, people. Pandemonium in the stock market. Thank you, brother Ike. You get home safe, brother. Going from D.C. to New York, brother. In these times, brother, I hope you're safe. Because you know what? That leads me to our next story and our final story. And that is the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, brother Ike, are you getting vaccinated? Well, brother B.C., I'd be willing to get vaccinated. But I'm waiting to see a couple other people do it. I've also been really safe. I haven't traveled much outside of this you know, being able to travel to see what is going on in the world right now. But your brother's masked up, you know. Um, I just took it off to talk to you for the most part. And, you know, we try to keep a little bit of distance. But, you know, I got a little bit of money left from uh, from the STEMI. And, um, you know, since don't nobody want to stay home and don't nobody want to wear a mask and y'all too scared to get the vaccine, I'm out here with y'all. And I guess I'm going to spend the rest of my stimulus money with y'all. What's up? We in the strip club. Let's get it. BC, back to you. I'm ready to throw these ones. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, somehow he ended up from New York and in front of a Houston strip club. And um, Brother Ike is doing his thing. His his fro is shaking. The dashiki looks good. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our guy, Ike. And he was on the mic. And he was on the streets. My man was going all over the place. My man was in different cities, different states. Listen, people, that is dedication and hard work at its finest, people. That is what we bring y'all on Out of Character. That is what we bring y'all on the Out of Character Podcast. This is episode 12 of the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. And we appreciate y'all for listening. Man, shout out my boy Ike, man. He was he was breaking it down. Now, let me tell y'all. If I can consume my news like that at all times, I certainly will, people. And let me tell you, we hope Brother Ike is back to give us some more news and tell us what's going on in these streets. And now, before we go... You know what I'm saying? I, I forgot last episode. I, you know, we was busy. I got my got to get my sponsor out. You know what I'm saying? I got to get my sponsors out. Shout out to Audible. Shout out to Audible for believing in us. Putting a little more bread in our pockets. And allowing the out-of-character family to get some free stuff, baby. Because we all love free stuff. Now, what Audible is doing, they have partnered with us at the Out-of-Character Podcast to offer you a free month of their premium subscription, their premium services. Now, what comes with the premium services, BC? What comes with Audible's premium services? I'm gonna tell you what comes with that. You can share your podcasts, your audiobooks, your memoirs. Obama got memoirs on Audible, people. You can listen to the Out of Character podcast on Audible, people. You can share all of those between all of your devices, all of them. You can be reading a book on your phone, put it down, Go to your work computer and continue to read that book and pretend like you're working, people, and pretend like you're working. You could do all that with the Audible service. Say you are on a plane. Say you don't want to play that $18.99 for that Wi-Fi on your plane that's four hours long, but you want to finish that podcast. You are dying to hear the end of the Out of Character podcast, but you can't because you are in the air and you do not have internet. Well, people with audible's premium services you can download the out of character podcast and listen to it offline you can download that audiobook and listen to it offline on that plane without having to pay for that wi-fi people that is what audible's premium services offer to you and that's what we have for you guys all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash 
the OOC podcast. That's T H E O O C P O D C A S T. AudibleTrial.com slash the OOC podcast. People, go get your free month. Let us know how it is. I've been using Audible ever since, man. I love it. I can't get enough of it. It is helping me out. It's helping me get through these books, man. I'm trying to read a certain amount of books a year, people, and it is helping me accomplish that. Yes, people, Audible books do count as reading. At least that's what I've been told. At least that's what I'm going to tell the people on Out of Character. If you listen to a book, it counts as, as though as if you read the book. At least that's how I feel, people. So, Go to Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash T-H-E-O-O-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's audibletrial.com slash the OOC podcast for your free month subscription to Audible. Shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to Audible, man. Hopefully, we can keep doing dope stuff with Audible so that they can offer y'all some more free stuff because we love Audible and Audible loves us, man. Shout out to Audible. So, ladies and gentlemen, in light of celebrating black excellence, in light of being blackly black, all black history month and the rest of the year i want to take the time to shout out black heroes to not only black people but to our country people that have changed how this country operates and how we go by day to day so the first person i want to give a shout out to on this black history month is a young lady from queens new york and that is mary van Britton brown And what does she do, people, you ask me? What does she do? She was the inventor of the first home security system. Yes, a black queen invented home security. And honestly, to me, that's not even surprising because who are the greatest protectors behind a female lion? That is a black woman. They will protect their families, their kids, their loved ones, through anything and that is exactly how this beautiful educated sister came about making the first home security system so miss mary van Britton brown like i said she was from Queens. she had lived in queens her whole life and in her neighborhood she didn't always feel safe especially because her and her husband had odd jobs where they were not working your regular nine to fives they were away from the house during times where Robbers might come rob the house. You know, there was times where she did not feel safe. And she also did not feel that if she called police, if she had filed reports that they would actually be helped. A lot of times, even to this day, so imagine what it was like back then. But even to this day, a lot of times in lower economic neighborhoods, when you call the police, they do not rush over like they do in the suburbs. And a lot of people never really feel comfortable calling the cops because of that, because they know that all they're doing is going to call the cops and they're not going to get any help at all. They're just going to be waiting for something that's never going to happen. And that's assistance. And that is what this young queen felt. What, What is there to do? What is there to do? And she did what a lot of sisters do they take matters into their own hands they get innovative they say you know what you can tell me no you can shut these doors a million times but i'm gonna find a way and this queen was determined to find a way to keep her family safe so what she did she invented the first ever home security system now now get this now get this is cool her original invention had three peepholes a camera monitors and a two-way microphone so that she could talk directly to whoever was trying to break into her home this sister invented this herself and there was a button that she could press that would immediately contact the police yes this queen this queen from queens created the first ever home security system and 
some of her inventions that she used to make this security system are still being used in modern security systems to this day so we have to take the time to shout out the great queen mary van britton brown shout out to this queen mary van britton brown for being an innovator for making something that all of us use for doing something that black women have been doing for centuries and that is keeping their people safe that's what you did, Mary Van Britton Brown. You kept us safe. You kept the world safe. You kept America safe. And I wanted to take this moment on the Out of Character Podcast, episode 12, to shout you out, Queen. You are amazing. You are honored. And I am going to continue to give y'all new fun facts and new names of dope black people that did dope things in America that maybe we never heard about before. Like, I had never known that a black woman invented the first home security system. But let me tell you. I'm not surprised and I am honored, man. Shout out to black women. Shout out to black men. Shout out to black and brown people in general. We are so dope and we are so innovative and we have invented and created so many things that we don't even get credit for. So I'm glad this queen, Miss Brown, was able to get her credit. People, this is the Out of Character Podcast. We are at the end of the road, baby. We are done, man. I hope you guys had a fun show. Shout out Professor Mike Bev for jumping on with us again and doing a special segment of Balling on a Budget with Bev. Shout out my guy, Brother Ike, for getting on the streets and giving us the news that the people needed. We hope you had a blast. We hope you had fun. This is the Out of Character Podcast, episode 12. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. And if you're listening, people, we appreciate you for listening. And if you're listening, remember, keep your head up. Keep the hope high and keep the love and faith in God, people. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for being here with us. God bless.